That's right. And we were born to ride. What's up, you guys? Hey, go down the window. What? Put down the top. That's right. Crank up the beach boys. Beach boys, I know. It's crazy that back in the day. It's crazy that back in the day, like, like if you if you drop the Beach Boys in a song, that was like, whoa, Beach Boys, like, like imagine, like, how many times in your life have you gotten in your car and been like, yo, turn the Beach Boys on? I I can tell you, um, zero for me. Nothing against the Beach Boys. It's just you know, it's just it's not the 80s or the 70s. I mean, when were they popular? The 70s. Um, anyway, what's up, you guys? What's going on? Welcome to my blue thoughts that's right this is my dodger podcast where i talk about the dodgers because they're my favorite thing and uh i i got uh let's just get into it okay i'm i'm not going to spend a ton of time talking like you know baseball and whatnot where this is going to be really brief um because uh so i'll tell you guys in a second but as you guys know um the dodgers finally lost a game on sunday um sadly they are not going to win the next 60 games in a row and then the rest of the 11 games that they have to win in the postseason. <laughs> I mean, they're going to win those, but there's probably going to be some losses in between. That's just being realistic. As, as as fun as it was to watch, it was awesome to watch them just basically end any hopes that the Giants and the Padres, I mean, if, if the Giants and Padres had hopes of catching the Dodgers, the Dodgers slammed the door shut immediately with sweeps of both of them. Obviously, the Dodgers swept the Giants uh, twice in a couple weeks, and then, you know, the, the much-anticipated series um, with the Padres when they came to town, and the Dodgers just handled them easily, showed them who, you know, Big Brother was, and that was it. And so as we as we begin play today, which is Monday, um, the Dodgers are sitting at 79 and 34 with the highest winning percentage um, in Major League Baseball right now. They have uh, completely surpassed the Giants. I mean, oh, the Giants, the Yankees, um, who have actually fallen on some hard times since uh, they traded away Joey Gallo, who uh, we get into a little bit later. But um same thing goes. Uh, Dodgers have now just completely surpassed everybody by a, a big deal when it comes to run differential. They're sitting at uh, point of point plus two four seven, so they've outscored their opponents by two hundred and forty seven runs. And in the twelve uh, game winning streak that just ended, they outscored their opponents ninety to 30 91 to 30 so just all around you know I kind of have been you know touching on it but you know I, I felt that the Dodgers were playing great they've been playing great all season but I felt that they hadn't quite hit their stride because guys were still kind of you know struggling a little bit like Muncie and Bellinger and such um, even Turner for a little bit but those guys have all picked it up I, I had never lost faith in any of those players unlike most fans um, you know, the, the, the good indicator is, you know, they always talk about is you look at the back of the guy's baseball card and, you know, yeah, like if there's a fluke year, one year, like a Brady Anderson that just drops 50 home runs out of nowhere and you're like, Hey, where'd that come from? You know, that's one thing. But when a guy like Muncie and, you know, to an extent Bellinger as well, you know, they, you can kind of put them on the back of their card for what they obviously, you know, in Bellinger's night, uh, MVP season of 2019, you know, his numbers were through the roof, but, you know, aside from that year, you know, it's pretty consistent, you know, 25, 30 home runs, um, and, you know, he's kind of peaked a little bit, not peaked a little bit, but he's kind of, you know, starting to show signs of getting back to that, so I look for a really big hot streak out of him, and, uh, and Muncie is just hitting the ball, he's hitting 400, the last month and he's just drilling balls he hit one into uh he hit one into the waterfall in Kansas City this weekend the game that I went to and I, I want to tell you guys all about Kansas City too um but I'm gonna wait till next week to do that because uh so anyway really quick like you know the Dodgers are sitting 16 games ahead of the Padres uh 22 and a half games in front of the Giants so at this point you know knock on wood but, you know, we're just trying to, 
maintain home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which they have, you know, although the Mets are coming on strong as well. The Mets are at 75 and 40, so, you know, got a big series against the Mets at the end of the month in a couple weeks. I was supposed to go, but I may not be able to go. Uh, this tour has just been so hard to put together with things, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out hope, but I'm going to need a couple miracles to pull it off at this point, but I think I'm still going to get quite a few ballparks knocked. I mean, I'm, I'm already at 11, and I've got three more, four more like that are going to be easy, so I'm not even worried about those. Um, the East Coast is what's tricky, and you know, the Florida teams and whatnot, so anyway... Um, but, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting because if they can fight them off, you know, they'll have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And that's kind of what we want. We want, you know, we Dodger Stadium is definitely a home field advantage, even though um, the Astros and the Red Sox both won the World Series on our on our, you know, I don't like that. But you still want the fans there. You know, you want the players to sleep in their own beds and whatnot. So. You know that's that's what they'll be playing for for the rest of the season. I know they'll probably. I mean, I don't. I, I haven't really heard Doc speak on it too much, but you know, in the back of their minds, they want ho- that they want that home field advantage because clearly the West is won, although not officially. It's won. The Giants are done. They're kind of hanging around in the wild card, which is interesting. Um, I don't. I, I just. I can't see it. They're six games behind. You know. And I just, I just don't see it, man. I just don't see them catching. I don't think, I don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs this year. And what's going to be interesting to see is what happens with the Padres, as you guys know. Um, Fernando Tatis tested positive for some substance that he claims um, he needed to use for ringworm or there's something in the su- whatever he was using for ringworm, the substance was in there. And here's the thing, you guys. Here's the thing. You know, I know Tatis is, what, like 23, 24 years old, so he's obviously very young. He's obviously proven that he's a little immature by getting into a motorcycle accident. And uh, the Padres, you know, manager said that, as well as uh, I heard Mike Clevenger of the Padres kind of allude to the same thing, you know. And, uh, you know, hopefully he learned his lesson. I, I, I mean, no matter what, his, his image is going to be tarnished literally forever. But, you know, maybe... This is early enough in his career. He could, uh, you know, still, for his sake at least, salvage his name and whatnot. But, you know, for, for a while there, he's going to be, you know, he's going to get booed. It's, it's going to be a lot to deal with. And uh, honestly, I don't know if he's mature enough to deal with that. The, the good thing that he has going for him is that his dad played in the major leagues. And so, you know, that does help when dealing with the mental side of things. I feel like a lot of guys who, you know, were sons of former major leaguers they seem to have it you know not easier but you know they they know the mental part of the game a little bit better than some guys you know let me see i'm just thinking you know like cody bellinger his dad was in the big leagues and uh let's see who else can i think of oh like literally all of the blue jays you know Vlad jr bichette you know bgo um you know you got bobby witt jr on the royals who we just saw you know you got Raul Mondesi's son on the Royals, you know, um, you know, um, I don't care, you know, it's, it's funny that it happened to the Padres because, you know, the media, which, you know, we talk about in the interview today, but, you know, the media for the last, you know, back in, back in 2015, you know, (laughs) when, when the Padres went out and got Matt Kemp and, and Will Morris, Will Myers, I don't know why the fuck I say Will Morris, um, and, uh, you know, James Shields, it was like, you know, they, you would have thought that, you know, they were, they were going to win the world series right then and there, you know, give just why, why play this season, you know, and the media has always, you know, and then when Manny Machado went over there and Tatis and then Eric Hosmer and like, you know, the, and the Padres have went out and tried, you know, they, they went and got Darvish, they went and got Snell and now obviously they, they trade for Soto and, you know, the media has tried to build up this huge rivalry between the Dodgers and Padres. And, you know, MLB Network wants to talk about how exciting they are. And it's like, I mean, I guess, but there's a team up to five in Los Angeles that is one of the most exciting teams I've ever seen play ever. And I've seen a lot of Dodger teams. You know, I, I think, you know, I talk about it in the interview today, but oh, I have an interview today. That's why I'm only going to be here for a couple minutes. 
um, how, you know, I've seen a lot of Dodger teams, and this is the best I've seen. This is the best well-rounded, you know, coming at them from all angles. You know, you've got guys that are hitting home runs. You've got guys that are hitting high for average. You've got guys up and down the lineup. There's not a weak spot in the lineup. You know, you got the number, you know, you got guys like Cody Bellinger batting ninth or Trace Thompson, who's on fire since, you know, he came over to the Dodgers. You've got a pitching staff that's the best pitching staff in baseball, despite the fact that we've lost a future Hall of Famer and a potential Cy Young candidate every year in Walker Bueller, you know, and then we got Dustin May coming back. Like, they haven't even been, the pitching staff hasn't even been full force all season, and they're still the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball. So, a lot to look forward to, um, you know, this week. They've got they've got four games with the Brewers, who are, you know, right, you know, in their own right, you know, fighting for the NL Central. So, they got to win. They're going to be playing hard. You know, they're a good team. I, when I was up in Milwaukee earlier this season, um, got to see them play. You know, they got some good hitters. But the, the Dodgers, I just feel like right now, are just outclassing everybody else. And they just keep coming at you. And they make great plays on defense. And they come through with clutch hitting. It doesn't have to be a home run every time. And it's just, it's like I said, it's just really exciting to watch in person on television like I'm just, I'm just rooting for this team and just really enjoying this ride you know knock on wood not that it matters but you know right now they're on pace to have the best record ever you know and if there's a team that can do it I think it's these guys they've all been there you know so anyway they've got you know four games with the Brewers in Milwaukee and then they come home and play the Miami Marlins not the Florida Marlins so you know teams that you know, like I said, the Brewers are good, solid. They've got a couple really good pitchers. And uh, the Marlins, you know, for some reason, kind of like to play L.A. tough. You know, Maddenly always comes in and wants to prove a point, I feel like, which I can't blame him, you know. So it'll be interesting. But, um, and I'll tell you guys all about my trip to KC and to the Negro League Museum uh, next week's episode. Because that was, those, ta- those need a lot of time. But I want to take the time. Uh, we have a guest this week. Uh, he was on the podcast last season, and he was kind enough and gracious enough to come back and take time out of his busy schedule to be on the podcast again. You guys know him as one of the play-by-play announcers for our Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, he, you know, he does the TV, he does the radio sometimes, just depending on what the job calls for. He does it. He does a great job. You know, any, you know, we talked about it the last time he was on, but anybody coming in. And, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of the great, you know, Vin Scully, which we didn't even get into in the interview. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, I figured he's probably answered those questions enough, you know, over the last, you know, couple weeks. So, um, but, you know, any, anybody that had to follow between Joe Davis and Oral and Nomar and, you know, Tim and Charlie and Rick were already on this, you know, on, on board. But, you know, after Vin Scully, it was just like a, a tough shoes to fill, you know, but I think... You know, with him and the rest of the announcers that we have, I do think we are very fortunate because, you know, I watch a lot of baseball and I'll I'll turn on other broadcasts and it ain't great. That's all I'll say. (laughs) There's a couple couple teams have some good announcers, but it's it's tough to listen to sometimes. So anyway, we are very lucky here in Los Angeles to obviously have grown up with the greatest announcer of all time. And oh, by the way, thank you guys for your kind words about the episode last week. Um. You know, I, I, it's not selfish of me, but like, I felt selfish even trying to make, I didn't try to make his death about me. I just did an episode about what Vin Scully meant to me. And I think that that is appropriate in this situation. So, um, anyway, um, he, you know him as, as, a, as one of the play by plays announcer for the Dodgers. You also know him, hopefully, as an author to an amazing book called COVID Curveball, which he wrote. During the 2020 season, and it talked about all the stuff the you know, all the Dodgers staff and players and whatnot had to go through, you know, continuously throughout the 2020 season leading up into the World Series. So he was uh, he was he was on the show. I highly recommend the book. It's a really entertaining book. Like I said, anybody um, who thinks that the 2020 season championship should have an asterisk or anything like that needs to read this book and see how difficult it was for them to actually pull that off under the circumstances and every team had the same 
playing, you know, it was a level playing field from the beginning of the season. So any team could have won it. The Dodgers are just the ones that did it. So without further ado, go ahead and check out my interview. Uh, my guest this week is Dodger play-by-play announcer Tim Neverett. And uh, take a listen to the interview. I will not be back when the show is over. So thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to go on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, um, subscribe, like, all that good stuff, and check out my interview with Tim Neverett. Thanks, guys. Put it in the card. Okay, you guys, uh, through the miracles of the internet and modern technology, we have a return guest to the podcast. Um, you guys heard him last year on the show, and you guys probably hear him fairly often in your homes or in your car. Um, we have today, we are joined by Dodgers play by play announcer and author of the book COVID Curveball, Tim Neverett, back on the show. Welcome, sir. Peter, great to be back with you. How are you doing? I'm great. We just talked about it. Like, I'm just happy to be back home for a little bit. Um, first of all, uh, the last time we had we had you on the show was right before the book came out. So somewhere around the All-Star break, we had you on last year. And uh, obviously, I read the book after having our interview and everything. And it was awesome, man. I loved it. Uh, I, I take it on the road with me. Um, it was uh, It was very insightful because I think that most people don't understand like what you guys had to go through to, just to make that happen, you know, to make the season happen. Yeah. Thanks. It was, uh, it was different. I mean, I look at it like the 2021 season going through that in 162 games was like nothing. He's a cake, right? The, yeah. <laughs> it was like normal this year. Same thing. It's like normal. Right. So the Dodgers win every day, which is, which is good. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the way that it was, was just so odd. I mean, even to get into the ballpark, uh, you know, we had to use technology. We had to fill out an app. Uh, we had to open an app and fill out questions every day just to get through the main gate at the sunset gate. Right. And then once you get in there, there were certain protocols you had to follow. But, you know, the, the one thing that I would always think about, which is true today, is after those games, getting in the car and driving back home, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I will trade traffic for this any day. Right, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, you know, we got our wish, but it's but right. you know, it was so e it was so easy to drive home. You'd get in your car and you were on sunset before you knew it. Now and I was, it was, I was talking to my I was talking to my brother about this uh, the other day. So I would assume that you you said sunset gate. So everyone that works for the Dodgers, I'm assuming comes up the sunset gate and you guys go off to the right side, right? Usually, yeah. Well, no, there, there's a couple of different parking lots depending on where you work and what you do. But, um, you know, where we go, I think most of us have a spot over on the right field side that's kind of in a little tiny sliver of a parking lot. And then there's a lot of others that park over by the main office on the third base side. And, and many of the employees park in the lot just outside there so it, it varies it, it varies right. if you're a game day employee yeah, you, you go right to the right when you get to the top okay and the same thing on the way out like you guys my point was you guys don't have to sit in the traffic to get out of the stadium when you leave oh yeah we do oh no really <laughs> yeah oh. yeah it's just that where our parking lot is is a little closer to the gate than most but got it but oh sir yeah like i love i love fireworks fridays believe me right yeah get out of there it's right? great was we can finish what we're doing, whether I'm on TV or radio, we wrap it up, we sprint through the club level, <laughs> we get out to the lot, get in the car, and you can get out pretty quickly. But on any other night, like, you know, a night like tonight or whatever, uh, you know, I think uh, it was tonight a bobblehead night. So, yeah, I'll be in. Yeah, the game's over. I can get out quick because we don't have a lot of post-game responsibility. But at the same time, as soon as I get out, I got to stop and wait. Okay. So, yeah, it takes a little while to get out. Okay. Yeah. I, I, fun fact, um, people that listen know, but, um, since, uh, you know, and you don't have to, you could be diplomatic about this, but since, uh, the McCourts sold the team, but kept the parking lot, I don't like putting money into the McCourts pocket. So I have, I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've actually parked inside the stadium post, uh, the McCourts selling the team. I have a little, we have a little spot that we park in. We walk up the hill, we walk down and same thing. Like we're actually like, we'll be in the car, you know, out the door back home. And I'm still listening to post game Dodger talk. Like it's a system. 
we don't have to sit through traffic. You have to walk a little bit, but it's way more worth it. And then you have an extra, you know, 30 bucks to spend on whatever at the game. I think people who go on a regular basis, they all have their own system. Yeah. They all have their own, their own way of doing it. And, um, you know, I'm accustomed to the way we do it. Right. <laughs> right. I've been parking there for a few years. Yeah, you you have to. Yeah. 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 It's 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 part of the deal when you go to Dodger Stadium. You just know it going in, and it's you know the great thing is is that you've got David Vasse on the post game show. That's uh, right. And we listen. I listen to him on the way out, and I think most people do. So <laughs> that's that's kind of my routine, and I think uh, most of the broadcasters' routines, except for uh, we have. Um, uh, Fernando usually leaves around the seventh inning. Really? Yeah, he leaves early so he can beat the traffic. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, He's the Phil Rizzuto of the West Coast. (laughs) Right. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, one of the things that I loved about the book, um, because I don't think we talked about it when you were on the show, but how Rick Monday, you said, basically lived at the stadium during that season, which I don't think a lot of people know. I don't think I don't think that was common knowledge. Uh, no, it was not supposed to be common knowledge. Okay. And it was, <laughs> it was our best kept secret for, uh, well, even in halfway through the next year. Right. Because he, he continued to live in that trailer, uh, that RV, uh, for half of the 2021 season. In fact, it's kind of funny because the Dodgers, uh, one of the Dodgers attorneys reviewed the book. And the one thing he came back to me with was, Hey, we don't want this in there because if Rick's going to be living there, then people are going to start flocking to his RV. I said, look, I've talked to Rick five times. He's leaving on July 1st. The book comes out after that. Right. Uh, and, and so Rick, Rick was fine with it. But yeah, I mean, we used to go out there at night and uh, game would be over. We'd just walk down the steps and he'd be in lot E and uh, the, the RV had an outdoor television and we'd put up some chairs and had a little cover and he'd, bring out some adult beverages and we'd yeah. watch TV and talk about the game. And, you know, sometimes our producer, Dwayne McDonald will come down with us. And, uh, but we had the whole Dodger stadium parking lot to ourselves. It was us and the coyotes and that was it. Right. And that's, that's what I, when I, when I read that, I was like, wow. Yeah. Cause like I've, I've been, so where we usually park is, is just uh, South of sunset. And we've been, there have been a couple of different times where we walk to our car and, you know, there's still people leaving the stadium. And there's coyotes just walking through the street. Like there's a lot of coyotes around there, but I just thought that was really cool that you guys are just hanging out after the game. Like you said, having an adult beverage. And I'm just like, man, like that for like, for how weird 2020 was like, that was actually, I'm sure that was like a really cool just experience that you guys got to do that, you know? And here was, here's the weird, uh, you know, capper to that story. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to Cooperstown for book signings. And so I'm on Main Street in, in Cooperstown during the Hall of Fame induction week weekend. And a guy walks up and he's got a, a T-shirt on. It's the big face of Louis Tion smoking a cigar. And I just looked at him and laughed. I said, that's a nice shirt. And he goes, I know who you are. He goes, I'm the guy that owned the RV. Oh, no way. Yeah. And he, go, he said, I listen to you and Rick all the time, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, it was my RV. And he told me the whole story about how Rick ended up with it. And um, he goes, yeah, I just sold it. I said, oh, he'll be so disappointed to hear. Wow. But, uh, but he sold the RV this summer because they weren't using it anymore. And it basically kept it out of storage for this guy. He didn't have to pay storage fees. So he loaned it out to Rick. Right. Um, and so Rick had a little home in the parking lot. What a small world. Yeah, but I can't believe just uh, Main Street in Cooperstown, New York, this guy walks up and he, he was the owner of the RV. Wow. What, uh, is that the first, was that your first time at Cooperstown? It was. Yeah. I, I never had the opportunity to go before because I'd been so busy doing, you know, baseball stuff. Right. Uh, but it worked out because I looked ahead at my schedule and I was off that whole, that whole homestead. So I talked to the Dodgers and said, Hey, I got invited to go do this. Can I go? Uh, and they were like, yeah, so you can go. So I uh, went there and I ended up going to the Gil Hodges family party. And that was great. And uh, right. went to the David Ortiz uh, bash the night before. Oh wow! And, and that was that was pretty fun too. That was a that was an A list affair. I, don't know I was going to say that that sounds like a party, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty good. Um, I could name drop all day on who was there and that yeah. one, but uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty wild. Yeah, they had beer imported from the Dominican oh, Republic. So hopefully, hopefully they had a extra security because you know David and bars aren't always the best mix. Yeah, uh, they had some. 
folks around keeping an eye on things. Uh, I'm, I'm actually excited because uh, Kansas City is where the, uh, the Negro League Museum is. So I'm going to be going. I've never been there. I, I've never been to Cooperstown, but I've definitely never been to the Negro League Museum. So I'm excited about experiencing that. Um, well, that's that's the thing that you must do. I've been there twice and I think we're going again. And I know that um, we're going to be talking to Bob Kendrick, uh, who is the president of the Negro right. Leagues Museum, on our one of our telecasts from Kansas City. And by the way, in Cooperstown, another Cooperstown story, I bumped into Bob at lunch. Oh, no uh, way. I just happened to, he was sitting at the table next to me, and I just said, hey, Bob, remember I was with you this time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's been on the air with me before in Kansas City, and I've gone to his specific tours of the Negro Leagues Museum. It's fascinating. And if you get him to do the tour, it's like stepping into a living documentary. It's amazing the way that he's Oh, really? Does. Yeah. He's a, he's a special talent and he's a guy who's really revived that museum and made it what it is. And, and, you know, he's gotten a lot of players to, to help out too financially. A lot of people, he's gotten that thing so much attention positively. It's, it's been uh, it's, it's a wonderful place to go. I'd highly recommend you go do it. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited. It's uh, I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to check the website. I don't, I don't think it says on the website, who's doing the tour or whatnot, but that would be awesome. Um, and I know that the game on Saturday, they're doing something. It's like, they're, I know they're wearing throwbacks, Kansas City Monarchs, and I'm assuming Brooklyn Dodgers. Brooklyn Dodgers, yeah. So that's always exciting for the yeah. fans, at least. I'm sure the players enjoy it too, right? As long as they're not those old right. wool uniforms. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't mind. Yeah, they think, I think some of them think it's neat to, do, to sort of step back in time like that. Yeah. Um, except except uh chris sale definitely does not like wearing (laughs) no he does not he didn't in chicago when he was with the white Sox, he uh got the scissors out the day he was pitching he didn't want to wear those uniforms and he went in and cut them up he just cut them up so the guys couldn't wear them and you know he has he has just had bad luck he had no clue like you got to think of this peter Somebody had to do the promotion. Somebody had to sponsor it. Somebody had to buy the uniform. Somebody had to do this, that, and the other thing within the organization. Everybody who worked on that, that one day, right. it was, you know, they all got, you know, they're all let down by Chris. And, and he apologized, but I don't think he, he really got it. And I don't know if you heard the latest, but he's now out for the season. He fell yeah, off his bike. I, I read that. To, uh, yeah. Bicycle, though. Not like a motorcycle. Not like touching. No, bicycle. Like, yeah. He fell off bicycle. a bicycle. But then he also had an incident in the minors a couple of weeks ago where he went to, I mean, you know, he's a left-handed pitcher, Tim. Left-handed pitchers have unique personalities. Everybody knows this throughout baseball. He's, his is just a little bit more unique, I suppose. I would uh, say so. <laughs> but, you know, he's got a ring. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, okay. I want to ask you a couple of questions. So the Dodgers, I mean, I've been a Dodger fan for 43 years. And I've seen some great Dodger teams. And despite the fact that they've been obviously bitten by lots of injuries this year, they still have the best record and could potentially finish the season with the best record ever. Um, Is this the best Dodger team that you've ever seen? In one way, uh, in the way that, as you mentioned, when guys go on the injured list, somebody else steps up. Next man up, man. You know, we bring up James Outman from the minor leagues. He hits a home run in his first plate appearance, you know, two-run homer in Colorado. Then we bring up right. Miguel Vargas, and he doubles in any other park that's a home run. Where he hit right. it in San Francisco is snowman's land out there in Triples Alley. But, uh, you know, Dodger Stadium, that would have been way up in the pavilion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in other places, it would have been gone, I think, in almost every ballpark. Um, so you've got guys ready to go uh, when, when need be. The, the pitching's been really good. Pitching's been unbelievable, and you're still doing it without Walker Bueller. Yeah. Still doing it with you know a, a, a semi-healthy Clayton Kershaw. Um, you know you're doing it with with Dustin May still ready to come back, Blake Trinan ready to come back soon. Yeah. Uh, Trinan's going to come back. I, I think you can book it for September first. That's the day the rosters expand. September first. September first. You, you watch. heard it. You heard it here first, you guys. That way they don't have to make an additional roster move and send somebody out that can add. Right. You know, now, two men that they can add. And, and I think he'll be back by then. And I think, you know, Dustin May is another week, week yeah, or think, so away. I think I, I think I read two more starts in OKC. Yeah. 
but that could yeah, change so he, maybe. So that'll be about 10 days, maybe. Yeah. Um, is he supposed to start again tonight? Okay. So if, uh, if he has one more, so you look at five, then they don't need to bring him up until the day he's going to pitch. So that's right. about 10 days, I would say. Yeah, uh, so. it's like, you know, like, I mean, you have, I don't think they had the best record at the trade deadline. It was close, but, you know, yeah, obviously you have fans clamoring trade for this person and trade for this person. And I'm just looking at it like, I mean, yeah, like would, would, would someone like Soto in the lineup be awesome? Yeah, like, of course. But, you know, that means that someone's got to go and whatever. But like you look at the lineup and then you look at guys that are on their way back and you're like, I mean, yeah, would it be great to have them? Yes. But do the Dodgers need him? Not really. Because they just have so many guys. They have, Ed, I mean, Edwin Rios is on his way back. Like there's just, they have an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, obviously, you know, we have some some high profile free agents, you know, that they've gotten or I mean I guess Mookie was a trade and then they re-signed them but you know Freddie Freeman and such but like a lot of these guys are guys within their organization and they just get a pay raise here and there obviously but it's like they're gonna have a really I you know I, I posted about it earlier but like what's all these guys coming back they're gonna have a really big problem on their not a good problem but when they have to narrow the roster down to like that postseason roster yeah you know. that's gonna be tough they're, they're gonna have some difficult decisions to make but they're gonna have decisions that every organization would love the opportunity to yeah. have to make, you know, you're going to have to say to this pitcher, Hey, you know, we can't put you on the playoff roster for this round. Stay ready. We don't know right. if we're going to need you in the next round. So those types of things, uh, you know, and then in the off season, they're going to have, they're, they're going to have their hands full of, you know, hopefully trying to resign Trey Turner. Um, I, I hope that they can do that. I think every Dodger fan would love to see Trey back. Uh, I, so that's going to be, a, that's going to be a chore, but you know, that may have been, I don't know if that had anything to do with them not pulling the trigger on a major trade or not. I know they, they were efforting to get Soto and, but again, do you really need him? Do you, do you yeah. need him or do you want him? There's a difference, right. right? Yeah. And just because the Dodgers swept the Padres over the weekend with Soto, the time that it's going to count is in the postseason. Right. So we'll see what happens then, but you know, beating them three games in a row and beating them the way that they have this year. I mean, they've, they've pounded the Padres this year. And they hope to continue to do so as the series plays out. They got to play them twice, at least twice more in San Diego in September. So those series yeah. will have some meaning to them, even though the division is starting to become, you know, an all a group of also rands. Uh, you know, the Giants, they've got a chance to catch the Padres at some point in time. They're closer to the Padres, yeah, and the Padres are anywhere close to the first place. Yeah, so. I think I think uh, yeah, I think the Giants are twenty-one games back, and the Padres are sixteen. So yeah, they sixteen. Yeah. That's within the realm of possibility. Um, let me ask you this because uh, just just for funsies, um, obviously the Dodgers and the Padres are the division rivals. I mean, I mean they're in the same division. The Padres make moves so they could catch the Dodgers. That's the whole. Yeah, I mean, they had a what's his name? A, a, what's the owner's name? Peter. A, oh, uh, O'Malley. Yeah, I, done, right? I'm drawing a blank. It begins Sig, with an S. Sig, it's like Sig, your name. Sig something. Yeah. So anyway, but they had him on on ESPN, yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, like we have to catch the Dodgers are the dragon that we have to slay." And so, like, basically indicating, like, yeah, like they have to make, which obviously they have to make moves to catch the Dodgers. But as a Dodger fan, you know, it's like it's. I like, I like watching baseball. Like I've been, I've been all these parks this year. Like I love the game of baseball. There's like players that I like to watch. I don't see a rivalry other than what like the media tries. Like in my opinion, the rivals are the giants. Like that's the rivalry Dodgers giants Padres. Like, yeah, like we want to beat them. We're going to be the, the Dodgers are going to beat them. They've had their way with them. Like you said, the last couple of years, but like mm -hmm. the fans aren't into that rivalry. Like the media wants to, you know, they stuck. Well, last year, I think the media, there's a lot of media hype trying to build up a Dodger Padre rock. Yeah. Uh, you know, geography is one thing. Okay. I can understand that they're, they're close geographically. They uh, play in the same division. The Padres have done everything possible to try to catch the Dodgers and still are 16 games back in, in uh, early August. So the Giants will always be the rival. Yes. They came. They, they used to butt heads in New York. It goes back a long ways. They they came to the West together. They've had a lot of the heated games. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, last season was was more evidence of that. I mean, every night the Dodgers would win, the Giants are looking in the rearview mirror, and they found a way to win. They, 
they won 107 games with smoke and mirrors and, and the Dodgers finished second with 106. So this year it's a different story. I mean, even just the other day up there when Harleen Garcia got a little upset with Mookie Betts for, for no reason, uh, other than Mookie Betts hitting a home run off of him the last time right. they faced each other at Dodger stadium. He doesn't like this, right? Right. That's an internal thing. Every team has a little symbol sign, everybody prop, whatever. Right. And, gold, and no one gets gold, a gold chain after a home run or a, yeah, you know, like spin it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Rick Monday calls that the flavor of flav necklace. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the, everybody's got their, their thing, who cares? Um, and I like how right after that Trey Turner went up there, hit a bomb. And as he's yeah. rounding third, he looked in the Dodger dugout and went like that. Love it. So, you know, Harleen Garcia can, he can go pound his head. Who cares? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's baseball, but it's still the rivalry between the Dodgers and Giants. And it's good to see some heated games sometimes. Right. It's good to see meaningful games. And, you know, the, the meaningful games now will be, to be between the Giants and Padres. Doesn't mean that the Giants and Dodgers still don't have a great rivalry. Of course. I mean, look at, look at the, 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 the the East Coasters look at the Yankees Red Sox, right? I was part of that for three years. I get that. I grew up around that. But there's a lot of years where one team stinks and the other one's good. And doesn't mean they're any less rivals. Exactly. Right? I mean, when your spring training tickets are being scalped, that's when you know you have a rivalry game. Right. Right. And the Dodgers Giants spring training tickets are sold on the secondary oh, yeah. market all the time. Awful. Yankees Red Sox, they they People buy those for three times the value. I'm like, what are you doing? It's spring. Yeah, it's it's spring training. You're going to sit two at bats and a guy is going to leave. He's going to wave to you on the way out. There is, there is something about like the tradition though. Like ever since I, I try to go, I try to same thing. Like I try to book gigs in Arizona when the, like during spring training. Uh, there is just something like, I feel like more now, like just tradition, just going down and relaxing in the sun and just, you know, it's like, uh, you ever see the movie Fever Pitch? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where he's talking about like how they go to spring training and Drew Barrymore yeah. is like, oh, so so the Red Sox ask your opinion. And he's like, well, no, not really. But we still go. And it's just like, yeah, still just, go anyway. Right. Yeah. It's she just didn't a, get it. It's funny. <laughs> it was because, great. But I was like, I, yeah. I know exactly what that is. That's just we just love baseball. And even if it's exhibition baseball, we're still going to go. And it's just a tradition now. But yeah, like they're, they're, that's that, that's I, I appreciate you saying that because that that's the rivalry. The rivalry is Dodgers Giants, like you said. You know, sometimes one team is much better than the other, but the fans are still going to be into it. If if you go to down, if you go down, obviously to San Diego, it's Dodger Stadium South. As much as they try to you know jack up the ticket prices and everything, there's always going to be more Dodger fans there. And if the Dodgers aren't there, and the Padres are not winning, there's nobody there. It's a beautiful stadium. I hate to say it, but like the Dodgers feel that, fill that stadium. Like that's just what it is, you know? Yeah. And the last, last couple of years, it's been pretty heavily filled by the Padre fans and the Dodgers fans are finding it harder to get tickets. They still get them, yeah. but it's just not as easy as it used to be. In fact, there was a series, I want to say in 2019, where uh, I believe Padres management uh, said, look, you know, we don't want you selling your tickets to Dodger fans. Right. You know, we want you, if you're going to sell them, sell them to Padre fans. It's like, okay, people have, people are in the ticket business. They're not going to not sell it to the highest right. bidder. Right. Yeah. So if it happens to be a Dodger fan, it is, but there's plenty of them. And it's not just in San Diego though, Peter. I mean, you've seen games Every, on the road. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go, there's tons and tons everywhere. of Dodger fans. I could not and believe really, the, I the place where it's like a home game, like a real home game now is Arizona. Oh yeah. 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 It's, we were there. It's like, it's, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a drive. I mean, my brother and I, we went down, we went to a Sunday game, drove down and then drove back the same day. Like if it's that close, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it was, and it wasn't, it's not as expensive in Arizona as like San Diego or San Francisco. So it's like, yeah, it's a nice, it's indoors. Well, and a funny story about that too. The last time we were down there, um, one of the guys who does the stuff on the, on the big screen, he's like the game in game host or whatever. His name is Mike. He's been doing it for a lot of years. Uh -huh. He goes in front of the Dodger dugout and, and he opens up his jacket and he's got a shirt that says beat LA. <laughs> and, and they're showing this on the big screen. He got booted off the sideline <laughs> in his own home ball. <laughs> I, I've never heard a, a home in game <laughs> stadium host getting booed. <laughs> Right back to his own dugout. It was unbelievable. I've never seen that. But there were so many Dodger fans there that it was a Dodger home game. 
yeah. every night there. And I expect it to be the same thing next time we get on there. I'm trying to, uh, we have to do it in November, but I'm going to try to coordinate a, a rental of the pool um, for next year. <laughs> I would love to, you know, because where else can you do that other than like a couple minor league stadiums? So, um, okay. So in your, I don't know if you're allowed to say this because you're an announcer, but I don't know what the rules are. But um, in your opinion, obviously the Dodgers are a World Series contender. Who is their biggest threat? to win the World Series this year? I mean, the easy answer is, uh, you know, who's ever on the other side, but they've got to get through uh, the Mets, the Braves. They're, they're going to be good. Yeah. Padres, if it's a short series, a five-game series in the division series, if they happen to catch the Padres, they could be tough in a short series. Um, you know, a lot of people might look at it and say the Dodgers, the only team that can beat the Dodgers is the Dodgers. Yes, uh, you that's what, what I mean? was going to say. That's what I said. Yeah. So, but it's not necessarily true because <laughs> those other teams are pretty good too. And if you get yeah. a, a series with the Mets and you get a healthy Scherzer and a healthy DeGrom, yeah, those are going to be two tough fights, no matter who you, no matter who you are. Right. Are they beatable? Yes, they are. Uh, but they're going to be tough, but then they have to look at it too. Like, and I don't think anybody would ever say, well, gee, you've got to go through Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson. <laughs> but look at what those guys have done right they've been unbelievable Bueller Bueller may be back by then Dustin May could be back and and humming along by then uh Kershaw has been you know when he's healthy he's doing a very good job so I mean just you know of course Julio Urias he's been great this second half I mean really good yeah so he's just uh the Dodgers have a lot of pitching and the saying in baseball is you can never have enough right and the Dodgers I think live by that because if you could see our bullpen in triple a it's basically a former all-star team. And you got Baez down there, right? Yeah, you got Dylan Batances, you got Heath Henry. Oh, that's right. got, I forgot I mean, about Batances. Oh, yeah, you got lots of guys, major league season guys that are sitting down there in Oklahoma City right now that probably yeah. won't even get a chance uh, to play for the Dodgers. But, um, no, I, I, I mean, obviously you look at the Mets and the Braves, but uh, – it's baseball. It's weird. Anything can happen. And then, you know, if you get through the national league then you got the Yankees to contend with, they're the best team in the American league, you know, could they be beaten by somebody? Sure. They can. They absolutely can. They've been terrible since the uh, trade deadline. I don't know if they won a game. Did they win last night? No, it's the curse of, it's a curse of Joe, Joey Gallo. That's right. He laid a (laughs) curse on him when he left. They, the Dodgers, I think, are six and zero oh since they got him. Yeah, we haven't Yanks. lost since we acquired Gallo. Yeah, and, and the, the Yankees, Yankees have won. Yeah, so you know, that's, yeah. pay, that's them. It's their payback for for stealing Babe Ruth for uh, financing a play or whatever they traded him for, something like that. Yeah, um, so the name of the play was No 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 Net. Net. That's right. I yeah. actually I actually learned that from Fever Pitch too. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is a fun question. Um, you watch a lot of baseball and now this could be, cause I know you did, you did some, uh, you were in the minor leagues first. Who is the best player you've ever watched? In the minor leagues? And, and or period, like either. Or we could do both. We could do who the best minor leaguer was that you ever saw. And then we can do who the best major leaguer that you've seen. Well, one of the best minor leaguers uh, that I ever saw um, just went in the Hall of Fame, David Ortiz. The first mm-hmm. time I ever laid eyes on him, he was with the uh, Salt Lake Salt Lake Buzz, I think they were called at the time. And they were the AAA affiliate of the Twins. Right. And he was a lot thinner than he, he played first base. He had this first baseman's mitt that just looked like a winter mitten. It was small for him. It was small. But I saw him hit rockets, absolute yeah. rockets in, in AAA. Um, never once did I ever say in AAA, well, that guy is going to be a Hall of Famer because you never know, right? It's minor leagues, but it turned out to be a Hall of Famer. So he, he may have been one of the best, one of the best types I saw there. I saw a lot of pretty good ones in AAA. They'll come up and, and be very, very good major league players. Um, as far as like all around play, the most fun to, to watch play. And I had three years with him in, in Boston too, is Mookie Betts. I don't say that just because he's a Dodger. I say that because yeah. I saw him elsewhere too. He's he was he's just right. unbelievable the way that he can throw guys out at second base um, when he gets hot with the bat. Home. Watch out. Uh, the other thing about him yeah. that I've always known when I started watching him early is his base running ability. 
and he is, I think, the best base runner in all of baseball. Um, yeah. Just look what he did in the 2020 World Series with his legs, how, how he stole a game uh, with his legs. He can do that. That's right. And I, I still think he's one of the most exciting, fun players I've ever seen play, uh, the way he plays defense. Um, and I've seen him throw guys out in the past. Like uh, I saw him, first time I saw him throw a guy out from a right field corner. I mean, literally in the corner, on the warning track, picking up the ball, was in Tampa Bay. Uh-huh. Um, trying to remember who he threw out. Uh, might have been Randy Rosarena, okay. maybe. And if it wasn't him, it was somebody else. But, uh, I mean, just an absolute rocket that went through on one hop and threw the guy out by plenty. And we saw him do it in Arizona, too. Yeah. Uh, I want to say that might have been David Peralta uh, that he got. Um, I just, I don't understand why, like the secret's out. Why are you going on Mookie still? Like <laughs> I say it all the time. Every time he throws somebody out and I'm on the air, I say, I say, don't run on. Yeah. Mookie. I mean, how much more plain can we make it? Just don't uh, yeah. run on the guy. He will throw you out. Now, and, like, and he you, does. Know, you could argue like, you know, like I, you know, I grew up, you know, watching guys like Mondesi and, you know, and then later on Puig. And it's like, obviously strength arm strength they might have had Mookie beat but accuracy like you just never knew like Puig might air the ball out and it might ended up you know in the stand somewhere same with Mondesi but Mookie is just like it's he's got an amazing arm but it's also just accurate and then his athleticism were like you know I used to play outfield so the 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 move I don't think there's a name for it but when you're when he's going to his left and he's able to turn like catch the ball and pivot like that's an art form that a lot of major league outfielders unfortunately just don't practice anymore but he's got it down and yeah. it's just but to just, spin yeah because when you you're spinning you're putting your back to the infield you're putting your back to the cutoff man and then you got to pick him up again and make an accurate throw yeah. and he has the uncanny ability to be able to do that. It's I, I've not seen an outfielder really do that as no, as yeah, it's not consistently as he can. He makes it look so easy, and I think that's one of those things where it's like you know when you get you know like I used to love watching Andrew Jones, and it was like he would just make plays, make plays that other players he would make routine plays. That's not what I'm trying to say. A play that would be a really hard play for one outfielder, Andrew Jones would make look routine. And so, I mean, obviously he was a shoe in for the gold glove because he would still make the spectacular plays. But I feel like Mookie is in that same, you know, echelon of defenders where it's like he just makes plays. He gets to balls that nobody else is going to get to. And then maybe, you know, sometimes he doesn't make the play, which is very rare, but, you know, it happens. But the fact that he even made it to where he could almost make the play is like most there's no there's nobody else that's going to make those plays like he's he's my favorite i love watching him i'm i was i was always envious of him when he was with the red sox and when the dodgers pulled that off i just couldn't believe that you know the well, reds... andrew friedman was envious too that's why he went out and got him. <laughs> so he i mean really he beat, wanted to have him here he beat the dodgers in 2018 you know like that's why they won the, i mean there make they there may have been some other reasons the red sox won the world series we don't have to get into that but Mookie's play was also largely responsible for. Yeah, Mookie was largely responsible, but then there was this guy named Steve Pierce who came oh, out of nowhere. Where the, what the hell? Yeah, where, what the hell happened to M- World Series MVP Steve Pierce? He retired. He's he's done. That's it. That's it. That's crazy. That was like four years ago. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He had a great series. He really, he really did. did. He and, really did, uh, man. His, I think it was his bases clearing double in game five that did it. Yeah. It was a game four. Game four. Yeah. Game four, he cleared the bases with a double. Game five, he had a home run. Uh, I know Mookie had a home run in game five. But Pierce said uh, he drove in more runs than anybody in that series. And, yeah. and so he got the MVP. And to this day, he'll probably be one of the uh, most uh, – I should say maybe least remembered MVPs. It'll be I, he'll be the answer to a trivia question. Even yeah. have two big markets in LA and Boston, and in a, a, a World Series in 2018, who was the MVP of that World Series? I guarantee it. Ten years from now, if you ask that question in a bar, somebody is gonna, inevitably going to say, "Oh, Mookie Betts." It was Mookie Betts. No. Right. JD Martinez? No. Nope. Uh, I don't know. And you'll get him with Steve Pierce. I, I, I'm going to be honest, Tim. 
I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. <laughs> I've known Steve a long time. When I was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was coming up. He was a triple-A oh, wow. guy. He was, he was minor league player of the year the year before, and they figured he'd, he'd make the big league club that year, which he, he didn't. Um, and he was a third baseman. And so we were riding around the buses in Western Pennsylvania in January, uh, going to make stops at uh, schools and hospitals and malls and doing this thing called the Pirate Caravan. And I got to know Steve. I was with Steve on a bus for two weeks. Oh, wow. So I got to know Steve pretty well. And then when he showed up in the clubhouse in Boston one afternoon, I said, oh, my God, Piercy's here. So I went over there and he's happy to see a familiar face. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of a role player at that time. But during the World Series, during the playoffs and World Series, they had him at first base the majority of the time. And um, he did great. He did really well. And then I think the next year he tried to play somewhere else and then then he hung him up. Uh, Tim, I, I saw this. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is your son also an announcer in AAA? Yeah, he is. He announces in Las Vegas uh, for the Oakland A's AAA club. Okay, and and you were there before, like when they were the uh, before the they were the 51s, right? Or you were the 51s, but also whoever they were before too, as the well. Stars, right? yeah, yeah, that's right. I was there through two affiliations. I was there when I first got there. We were affiliated with the Padres. And uh, that was pretty good because the Padres were pretty good then. Yeah. Um, and we had some really good players come up, come through there. Uh, you know, like uh, Derek Lee and, you know, he, he was called up one day there. But then the, the year after that, the Dodgers came in. Right. And things changed. I mean, it was it was just a different organization. Yeah. Uh, I was there the day Russell Martin got called up. And Russ and I had talked about this a few years back. Uh, and uh it was a rain out in Salt Lake City, and I was up in the booth, had my lineup all filled out. My lineup, my scorebook was all filled, and I'm seeing the dark sky, and now it opens up, and I'm like, oh, we're not going to play. And of course, Martin was starting that night, so I get a, a call up to the press box phone, and I got to go over to the phone, and they said, uh, take Russell Martin out of your lineup. And I said, why? Uh, he's getting called up. This was during a, a rain delay. Right. So he got he got called up during a rain delay, never came back. Wow. Yeah, he 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 was a player that made a quick impact when he got called up. That's 2006, yeah. I believe. Yeah. 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 And then when he, he you know he made his his rounds, you know, Yankees, Pirates, Blue Jays, and came back. Yeah, that's right. I would... To this day, he still has an ERA of 0.00. <laughs> that's right. And he was one night. There. Yeah, one night in 2019, he had a really good inning of relief in a blowout game, and he. And I, I saw him in the clubhouse after, and, and I said, Russ, you know, I said, you're looking pretty good on the hill. He goes, yeah, anybody know what my spin rate is? I want to know what my spin rate is. <laughs> so that's all he wanted to know about was the analytics afterward. Uh, I, I brought that up to Hanser Alberto the other day. Right. Uh, we were talking, I, I said, How, how's my current favorite Dodgers pitcher? <laughs> and he, he goes, what do you mean current? I said, well, Russell Martin's my all-time favorite. He goes, what do you mean? I go, yeah, he's got a 0-0 ERA. I go, your first outing in Baltimore. You got hammered. You got an ERA of 18 after that performance. He goes, yeah, somebody got me for a home run, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but he says, with the Dodgers, I'm good. I said, yeah, you're all right. Dodgers. But That's career, no, nah, you got an ERA. That's not good. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, who, uh, I don't remember what the guy's name was, but uh, the position player pitched the other day. Was it for the Giants against the Dodgers? And uh, they ended up letting Tim Anderson hit because Freeman didn't want to face him because he was, throwing you know softball pitchers up yeah he was throwing 50 miles an hour yeah and Tyler Anderson probably I don't know I wasn't in the dugout but my guess is they probably told him to go up there and do the old Statue of Liberty play don't swing right uh, just stand there and I think he took a cut I think he wanted to hit but, <laughs> um, that adds to the rivalry too because those guys in the other dugout are taking exception to this of course right they're saying oh now you're showing our guy up who's got to go out there and wear it and you're sending up a position. You're, you're sending up a pitcher to hit it against. So I'm sure the guys in the Giants dugout weren't too happy with that. Right. I. Uh, oh, I that was the Padres. Their was dugout. It, was, it, was it the Padres? Yeah, it was the Padres. They weren't happy with that either. That was uh, Friday. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I was trying. To, I couldn't. I, I watched so much baseball. I was like, I don't remember what the game was. Well, we uh, had in the, in the Giants series, we did have a position player pitching against a position player. Or Alberto pitched against Brian Servan, who came out to the cat. He was a catcher who came out to pitch the inning before. 
Right. And Serving went oh, up yeah. there with one thing in mind, and he almost hit it out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he thought it was out too. You could see yeah. his, uh, Alberto's face, and I think Taylor was playing left field. I know Taylor wasn't back. Maybe it was no, it was uh, Thompson. Maybe I don't remember. Trace Thompson was out there. Yeah. And by the way, how how awesome has Trace been since getting Good. you know traded? Like just. Like, like we said, the Dodgers are going to have a tough, <laughs> some tough roster decisions to make once. Uh... It's kind of funny because, you, you know, you see the Dodger uniform get put on somebody. And all of a sudden there's a change. I don't know what it is. It's got to be something inside the organization because, you know, Trace was in AAA with the Tigers. Right. The Tigers. He got, he he got released from lineup. The, and the Padres too, right? To start the season, yeah. I think. Yeah. He couldn't crack that lineup. You're kidding me? And then he comes to L.A. and now, you know, he's in the platoon out in the, out in the field and he's been doing a great job. Right. You know, at the major league level. And um, there's just something about that uniform and guys put it on. It just gives them just that much more confidence. And, and sometimes even it seems like ability. Well, one of my one of my friends, uh, he's a uh, he works. Uh, he's he works at Rock Nation Sports. So he reps a lot of ball players, And he was telling me that the Dodgers more than any team as far like obviously we know they use analytics for like in-game strategies and whatnot like that's not a secret but as far as like like you were talking about like spin rate but even like like diagnosing people's swings like they just are so in-depth at stuff like that and that's why they're able to you know give guys like Chris Taylor and Muncie and you know guys that you know were kind of cast-offs from other teams and turn them into basically all-stars so is there any truth to that you know every organization has their philosophies right yeah. so for example in hitting uh one thing that late in his career with the red sox mookie Betts had to adjust to was being more aggressive like when alex Cora got there he said no more taking two pitches and then now you're ready to hit because they had a philosophy of wear down the other pitcher right get deep into counts we want you to have a full we want you hitting with a full count pretty much two, two or a full count. And, you know, so that's how you're brought up through the minor league system. You're in there, you're taking, you're taking, you're taking, and you're working up pitch count. Well, when Alex Cora got there, he said, no, I want you to attack. He said, I want you to hit in, a, in an OO count. I want you to hit the first pitch. If it's right there, hammer it. And they, what do they do? They go in the world series with that philosophy. So now their whole organizational philosophy has changed. The Dodgers, if you watch Mookie, he is a guy who will chase the first pitch now more often yeah. than he, he probably has in a long time. And you see other guys doing it too. So if they can do first pitch damage, that's one thing. Where other organizations want you to get deeper into account. Uh, oftentimes, the first pitch you see might be the best pitch you see in the whole game. Right. Does it's not a guarantee. It doesn't always happen. Um, you know, when a reliever comes in, he might just throw one right down the middle, just to get going and you know hammer it. That's why you see more swings on three zero counts in the last several years than ever before. Right. No, don't just take a free pitch. If it's if it's your pitch, who cares what the count is? Hit it. What about the score? Score matters, I think. <laughs> you know, you're up, the you're White Sox got nothing, in trouble. Seven, seven nothing, eight nothing, nine nothing. Yeah, you're taking a pitch. <laughs> but you better take a pitch, or, or the guy behind you, he's going to get one right here. Right. So hopefully, right here. But um, yeah, the score definitely matters. But in a close game where you need a hit, hit the pitch. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Tim, dude, I appreciate you so much, uh, coming on and appreciate your time. Um, I think the Dodgers are going to win the world series. I also think the Mets are, I think the Mets are, I think if they get, if they get past the Mets, I think we're good. That's just what I think. You know, well, we're going to have fun in New York, uh, the end of this month. That's right. Uh, three, three games in New York against the Mets will be a little bit of a measuring stick. I think. Yeah. And that's going to be a heck of a series. That's going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, to see how they play at City Field and see how they are in, in that New York environment. Uh, also, the U.S. Open is going on at the exact same time. Oh, there. no. So there's going to be all kinds of tennis people around and stuff. I better I better book, I better book my hotel. I'm supposed to go to that. I one. would do that sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great series. And I think a good a good preview probably to, to what's to come. But I, I do think, you know, with the Braves, they, you know, the Braves are going to be tough, but they, they took care of the Braves. And that was, yeah. I think, important. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it. Um, stay on for one second and uh, hang on. Uh, and, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. 
No, that's not what I meant to do. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't know what I had to. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, oh, there it is. Sorry. <laughs>